It's Thursday again, tell everybody to lock in Grab some popcorn, a drink, and go and throw your AirPods in It's a one-hour show, constantly speaking facts Bulletproof stats are always shooting from Matt And when it comes to Kyle, you getting numbers and style Jake is gonna educate you, he has that knowledge on fire Player, step your game up, don't be sluggish or lazy Or Jimmy J might hit you with a shaky baby Catch him on YouTube or any podcast platform Breaking all the news down like Shaq does the backboards No hot takes, this is where the hottest debate's at Now kick your feet up, cause it's time for Straight Facts What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains, brought to you by the Up On Game Presents Network. You know what I'm about to say. Make sure you guys are following and liking and subscribing to them on all their content pages, uh, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, these guys are all over it, and they feature one of the best podcasts you're listening to right now, Straight Facts Podcast. So I'm with my guys, Jake Galley. Stat Matt Robinson. Um, guys, Stat Matt doesn't get heated often. And right before air, he goes, I have a heated at the buzzer. So if that's not incentive for you guys to listen to the whole pod and wait till the at the buzzer, I'm not sure what is because I am shaking with the anticipation. I don't know about you, Jake, but I'm so, just not going to speak but- for until we hear it. I mean, at 50 <laughs> minutes, I'm going to just st- wait here. <laughs> like someone, someone get blasted. He's cool, calm. <laughs> And collected over there. I can't wait for it. But this is the off-season episode three, right? So um, as y'all know, in the off-season, we're putting down the stats, putting down most of the stats and the facts, and joining in those larger, big narrative debates that everyone seems to be loving so much. So the one that we heard throughout this week, and we kind of latched on to, we want to put our own spin on it, is post-draft Post big wave of NFL free agency, a lot of cards got shuffled in the deck and teams looked new. So people wanted to reassess who has the best young core in the NFL. And I think that's a great debate because like, we kind of see the next wave coming, right? The Aaron Rodgers and the Tom Brady's and the Drew Brees are on their way out. And the Josh Allen's Patrick Mahomes is an, and young company is on the way in, but it's not just about quarterbacks. This is about, the entire team on both sides of the ball. And we've identified just four teams, not the top four teams, but four teams that we think have really good young cores to move forward. So why don't we get it started? We'll get it started hot. And that's the Denver Broncos. So we know that the Broncos made that big trade for Russell Wilson. That's not really part of a young core, right? But they're under 26 guys all over. It's pretty great starts with Javante Williams and Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler but then you have Draymond Jones Bradley Chubb Patrick Sertan the second uh Nick Bonito Albert O and and so many guys going down the list that you start to look at Denver's roster and you say outside of Russell Wilson they should be good for the next five to ten right even including Russell Wilson I mean like that's the true quarterback he position is he ain't old yeah the quarterback position is one that you can really kind of get long in the tooth and still be able to put up numbers as Tom Brady has shown. That being said, uh, I believe looking down our list, this is the only team that does not have a quarterback included in in the young core. That being said, you start to look around the the talent rooms, man, they've got some faces. Javante Mm -hmm. Williams, a ton of like a, a, a missed tackle forcing machine. Jerry Judy, you can't stick near him. KJ Hamler's a good slot guy. 
Um, and they've got some young guys on the offensive line too, where like, and that's just the offensive side of the ball. Um, the only downside to this young core is they're probably going to need to to use their youth to get through and get to the winning days. You look around yeah. the rest of the division, and there's point. a lot of like like kind of like senior top of the league type talent where you know maybe in two three years those teams they'll they won't be as good as they are now, and it'll give the Denver young core some time to grow. But like I, I think if I'm a Denver fan. If you look at like a five year outlook for all the teams in that division, yeah, it looks good for you. And, I don't and know, Jake, yeah. That that's my point in the inverse of yours. Like I see it as a silver lining for the Denver Broncos. I look at the division now and I say, like, can I really realistically go toe to toe with the likes of, you know, Patrick Mahomes and company, Derek Carr and company? Justin Herbert, and they might be able to Justin Herbert and company. Y'all know how I feel about the Chargers. They're no leapfrog in the Broncos right now. But can I really go toe-to-toe with these star-studded teams right now? Maybe not. But I have youth on my side. Like, those guys aren't old. Like, those guys are going to be here to stay. But I'm younger than all of them as a team. So when their stars start to move on, when their core starts to break up and go their separate ways, hopefully that's when the Broncos core is hitting its stride and what I think the Broncos have going for them that not many teams have when you talk about a young core is it's spread out on both sides of the ball. Like when you talk about offensive and defensive secondary, I mean, I have a, a, a young star at pretty much each skill position. And I don't think many teams can say that out their core. Like they have a really good young quarterback or a really good young receiver, really good young receiver, whatever. The Broncos have it sprinkled everywhere. And they've been a team to me for the past couple of seasons, that's like, man, they're just a quarterback away. Like, man, they're just a quarterback away to pull all this young talent together. And now they got it. And like, we'll see. But in terms of just a young core, they're one of the tops of the NFL. To me. They were 0-5 last year in one score games. That's young. That's, that's being a young team. That's one. That's being a young team. That's two. Not That's not having a quarterback to close. That's true. And that's true. what Russell Wilson brings to them. So... Uh, Denver, Denver is a good young core. They don't have any like of the teams that are coming up. The, the I think there's some really great names. There's nobody right. I'd say is like a top three in their position, arguably in their young core. Um, but they're they're a solid young core, and now they have the Hall of Fame quarterback coming in. And let's just say I'm glad the Eagles aren't in the AFC West. Yeah, it's, I'm glad the Buccaneers aren't in the AFC West, man. That's that's. I wouldn't send my worst enemy to the AFC West. It's just absolute punishment. But, okay, Matt, I might agree with you that they don't have, not might agree with you, they don't have any player, not even their quarterback, is top three at their position right now. But in terms of under 26, because that's how we're valuing young in the NFL. Um, so in terms of under 26, that changes that. Like, under 26 at their position, they may got top three all over the place between Javante Williams, Jerry, Judy, Patrick Sertan, the second Bradley Chubb. Like I'm taking their under 26 core over. Jerry Judy is not many. top three and under 26. I guess not. Right. Cause you got Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, right? Okay. Well, he's, he's in the, in the, give him a season, give him a season with Russell Wilson and we'll see because we'll I'm see. a huge yes. Jerry Judy backer. He just hasn't been. I mean, he had, dude, he's got Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater throwing him the ball. That's tough. Like, that's tough. 
really difficult, even he, when you are open. Not getting the where he had a non-quarterback throw the ball at him the whole game. Kendall Hinton, that's another <laughs> name. Yeah, throw it out there. Crazy, so like, crazy. When you look at Jerry Judy, he's actually 96th percentile in separation percentage, meaning uh, on average he's about 2.5 yards away from a defender when the pass arrives. That's like next shaking. level speed. That's like you're yeah. you're way 2.5 yards in the NFL is is close to wide open when he's getting mm-hmm. the ball on average. So like you have a guy who starts. Not only do you have a quarterback who can start delivering the ball, you also now have a quarterback that can value up some of the other pieces of the offense. So Jerry Judy's not as focal as, as maybe he would be in years past where they're just chucking it to him. Um, right. I, I am, and you know, this doesn't even include the things they're going to do in the passing game with Javante Williams. And he's not a young core, but Melvin Gordon did resign, uh, which, mm-hmm. which seems to, to be um, a bit of a dividing move in Broncos fans in my very middling research. But regardless, really? They're going to have a pretty good team, so it's a shame they're in the division they're in. But right. I think we all kind of agree here. Years down the road, they're going to be in a pretty good spot. Yeah, I mean, look, they have youth on their side. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's not guaranteed because I can see guys like Patrick Mahomes not going nowhere. Derek Carr and, and Devontae Adams, if they hit this year, I could see that not going anywhere. Justin Herbert's not going anywhere. So they better continue on the upward trajectory because the AFC West might be the best division for the next like five to 10 years in football. Like it might just be the, the, the standard for good divisions, but this is how I want to end every team. This would be a good debate for us of this under 26 core. Who's the top player? Hmm. Jake, go ahead. Who's the, who's the top going player in the Broncos say, under 26 core? Yeah, we didn't talk much about him. Um, but I think that he plays the most valuable position that we have here. And that's Patrick Sertain. Yeah, you second. took mine. You took mine. That was like my surprise factor of asking the question. And you took it right, really right from under oh, me. I'm that's sharp, insane. man. You got to know who you're dealing with some sharks <laughs> really, here. Because really. Matt wasn't going to jump <laughs> on him too. I could see it. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm taking Bradley Chubb. But, Jay, go ahead. All right, why you got Patrick Sertain? Probably for the same reasons I do, but why you got Patrick Sertain? I, I stumbled across this article. Man, his stats from last year, like Ridiculous. the next-gen stats, are, are pretty crazy. Um, like, when you look at catch rate allowed below expectation, kind of a goofy stat, minus 6.1% targeted, expected points added, minus 21.8%. So now we're really delving into those facts that we like to kind of break down here, but... As a whole, passing by 59.9 passer rating allowed. Like, there's a guy you, you set it and forget it type cornerback, and not a ton of them exist in today's NFL. Mm-hmm. He's one of the premier ones. And, you know, you pair him with Justin Simmons, who's also roaming around back there. They've got a very dangerous defensive backfield. Yeah. I mean, outside of Jalen Ramsey, just in my recent memory, I'm not sure I've seen a rookie or second year player come in and their defense just automatically have confidence of like, you're going on the best player and let me worry about the rest of the defense. Like that's what Patrick Sertan brought to the Broncos and it made their, it like brought their defense over the top. We talked about the Broncos defense as a good defense, but they were never a defense that could make up for their lack of offense, never a defense that could win them games. They were just a defense that wasn't going to go up and and give up 35 points. And then last season, they became one of the most opportunistic defenses in the league and a defense that you had to fear. And Patrick Sertan going in that secondary is probably what allowed Matt for you to think Bradley Chubb is 
the best on their team because a pass rush is aided by a good secondary and no, vice so, versa. So Bradley Chubb is, is, but... is a very controversial take because he doesn't play football. He's always hurt. And his, he, has, he had 12 sacks his rookie year and hasn't had anything since. I think, I think he's just had a bunch of bad luck. I think dealing with Von Miller as mentor leaving and getting injured last year was just two things together. I think an all rejuvenated offseason – I can get this together. We have a contending team now. I think he has 14, 15 sacks. I think it's a comeback year for Bradley Chubb. And I'm I a mean, big, hey, I think pass rushers are more important than cornerbacks by a smidgen. By a smidgen, by a smidgen. But I think when you have a secondary that can work in tandem as well, like it's very hard to block someone for four to five seconds. Like if I can't find anybody open downfield. And I have a secondary that allows you to get a pass rush like that. We'll see if Bradley Chubb can get it. But remember the Broncos for a little bit. People are people are a little hesitant to to jump on that horse. You see what I did there? That's a good one with the Bronco. Thank you. Um, but the Broncos are are a very good young core that are going to wreak havoc for for years to come. We're moving on uh, because this one's pretty obvious, and we could have started with this, but I'm glad that we didn't. But the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, a team who gets a lot of airtime on this podcast. So I'm sure that people aren't too surprised that we come to them, but we can't leave them out of this young core thing. You know about Joe Burrow, you know about Jamar Chase, you know about T Higgins, but then you go and get into Joe Mixon, Logan Wilson, Jesse Bates, Evan McPherson. <laughs> like when I'm talking about a kicker and your young core, you're really doing something right now. Um, because the, cause that boy Evan McPherson is, is good. I like him. Um, but the, the Cincinnati Bengals young core, if, if you didn't realize that they have maybe the best young core in the NFL, then you just didn't watch football all last season. This is a young core that rode all the way to the Super Bowl. And I think everyone can realize that's not a flash in the pan. Like they may not repeat as AFC champions, but they're not regressing back down to a middling team. This is a team whose young core is ready to perform now. And they showed it and good for them. Uh, they're going to regress. Here you go. Here you go. They're not going to regress like <laughs> an incredible amount. But th- this is a team that lost seven football games last year. Teams that lose seven football games usually aren't that good. Not they're not like the Giants won the Super Bowl at nine and seven, 2011. It didn't make mm. the playoffs for another five years. Like it, and it, this, the Bengals are going to make the playoffs. I think this team is more like the 08 Cardinals where they exploded in the playoffs after they like the OA Cardinals were actually like a bad team. If you look at advanced stats and DVOA, and then they became who they actually are the next season. I mean, in that postseason, and then the next season they sustained that level, but defenses had time to adjust. So that Oh nine Cardinals team either went 10 and six or 11 and five, won a playoff game, then got bounced easily in the second round. And then Warner retired and their era ended. I think that's how the Bengals aggressive. The Bengals aren't a dominating team in the AFC. They're one of the they're one of the good teams in the AFC, and they they won a bunch of close playoff games last year to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and, and, and here I hear you, Matt. One, don't ever do this to me again. <laughs> it's like a magnetic like, force. Oh my like, god! Like that was he just shot, and and, and I was powerless. Even like, he put the finger. I, I he, he put the finger. 
bruised me. He put the finger up and, uh, and I shut up. Like, I, I, unbelievable. But <laughs> I <laughs> put the wind horse and do the double finger. We could not proceed until you told us to. But I hear, I hear what you're saying. And I think if you were talking about a team that had been together for th- three, four, five years, I'd be with you. But you talked about a team who did this really in their first opportunity. Like that was like Joe Burrow's rookie year. He got hurt. Did you get Jamar Chase as a rookie? And the first time that all these guys play together, you beat Patrick Mahomes and them and go to the Super Bowl. So whether whether they overcame being a quote unquote bad team or performed above expectations, I think just goes in their favor. They're playing so ahead of schedule, and that's what makes them such a, a good young core. And like I said, like they may not repeat as AFC champions. So technically speaking, that's regressing, right? Because you didn't get further than you got last year. But they are they are so ahead of where they're supposed to be that that even that regress of a second round exit is still more than what most teams can hope for when you pair your young core together for a year, two years. Like that's that's amazing to me. The expectation game is fun to play with this team because like imagine if they got bounced in the first round people are like oh like we'll take it like whatever joe burrow you know finally back he made the playoffs they get bounced in the first round and then this year they make it to the second round and get bounced and it's like wow we're improving things are going well whereas True, yeah it now they set a hard by right you uh, you, you sit you set a high bar here's the one distinction i want to make between the other two teams that matt brought up those teams are led by veterans who have a big price tag on them eli manning was 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 quarterbacking those teams and you know Kurt Warner, Larry Fitzgerald was on those Arizona teams and you look around and this is why we highlight the youth at least for the next couple of years they're not going to have to pay them like they're the best in the NFL. You know, Jamar Chase doesn't have a contract coming up until a few years down the road. Same with Joe Burrow, mm-hmm. same with T Higgins, Jonah Williams. So like these are guys who they're going to have for cheap that hopefully in that span, because you're not spending a ton of money, you can afford to put together a pretty good team around them. I do have questions. You know, maybe maybe this is because they are so good so young, is it going to prevent them from staying together long term? Potentially. Like, potentially could be the, cha- uh, the, the case. Jamar Chase is going to be heavily sought after. Joe Burrow. I imagine those two guys probably never see the open market. Everyone beyond them... It's just yeah. a numbers game. It's not that they're not good enough. It may just be the fact that in a couple of years, all these guys are we making so much money all of them. they can't keep yeah. them. Correct. We, we can't afford all of them, which which I think maybe lights a little sense of urgency, but I don't think it's something that, like, again, that's that's something that a four or five year team together starts to worry about. Yeah. Like, y'all, like, we made it to the Super Bowl in our second year, and as a, as a football team, as a core you think within yourselves like we didn't we haven't even played our best ball. To your point, Matt, they may have outperformed what they actually should have done because to a young core like that, you're like, man, we we it's our only our second year and look what we were able to do. So once we actually like start to improve, fine-tune all the things, fix the little holes we have in our our team, like the offensive line, then imagine what we can do for the next four to five years in the NFL. And we did it with just trying to pick it up on the fly. So I think like, like I kind of spun the Broncos problems to a good thing. Like I think all the Bengals problems are quote unquote good problems to have. I don't see like a fault right now in the Bengals plan. And I think that's great. Um, 
But speaking of one of those pieces of the young core, we probably should have put this dude in our most disrespected episode last week. Um, because Jamar Chase is obviously at the forefront of this young core, one of five rookie receivers to gain more than 1,300 yards uh, in their first season. The other four were Justin Jefferson, Odell Beckham Jr., Randy Moss, and Anquan Bolden. All of but Anquan Bolden were able to increase their yards per season the next year in their sophomore season. So all this happens, right? He leads his team or, or is one of the leaders to the Super Bowl. And then Madden decides to put their two cents on things because we love when they do that. And they come out with their top 10 receivers this year in Madden. And Jamar Chase is not on it. Not only is he not in the top 10, he doesn't have a 90 overall rating. The last person in the top 10 is Amari Cooper with a 90 overall rating. Jamar Chase is not in there. Gentlemen. Jamar Chase is 20th. It actually came to be. What? You can name, you can name, this is how I felt about you with Saquon Barkley last week, Matt. Like you, you can sit here and name me 20 receiver, 19 better receivers in the NFL than Jamar Chase, 1300 yard season in his well, first it, season. It's incredible. So we were talking about the young core, young talent. It's like saying, okay, so they have a below, you're saying the Bengals have a below average number one wide receiver because your number one wide receiver would be a top 16 wide receiver feels a top half. But there's which uh, if Jamar Chase was like 11th or 12th, I wouldn't like have a big no, you, no. But like I have that, a that's probably where I would place him. And like remember, 1300 yards, he played an extra game, so there's always that. And um, but he 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 is an absolutely incredible talent. He was drafted where he deserved to be drafted. He he justified. Not taking Penny Sewell, which is a hard thing to do when you have the worst offensive line in football, and Very. he absolutely did. Um, he is him and T Higgins are such a great duo to do together because you have the speedster and the possession guy, and mm-hmm. it's it's it can be this generation's Fitzgerald and Anquan Bolden. It, it really can. So all of that is to say. Amari Cooper in 11 games, 12 games, it was not better than Jamar Chase. Keenan Allen, no playoff seeing Keenan Allen, to me was not better than Jamar Chase. Terry McLaurin, five win Terry McLaurin, was not better mm-hmm. than Jamar Chase. These are just simple facts to me. They they are legit simple You're facts to signal me. and he'll automatically pop on the pod. That's fine. He didn't pop on the pod. God. <laughs> and, and, and Matt V talks about a lot on Twitter. This this one thing I would I didn't hear him be very loud about that Terry McLaurin popped in that top ten. I I hear him be very loud about that. You're quiet on that one. There are also like worse names than Amari Cooper. Like how you like Brandon Cooks above ranked above our guy Jamar Chase or Jake. He was on the Texans last year. That makes zero sense. That Tyler, makes zero sense to me. Tyler Lockett, who uh, was on the Seahawks. Didn't have the best year, or the Seahawks did not have the best year, still ranked. He's actually ranked above DK Metcalf, which is a little crazy to me. So they're drunk. DK so they're didn't drunk. have a good yeah. year last year. But, but, and here's the thing. Here's what I don't want to do. We're talking about overall rating. We're not talking about who had the best season. I don't care if DK didn't have the best season. Are you going to sit here and tell me that Tyler Lockett is a better overall receiver in the last year than DK Metcalf? No. Yes. No, Matt. 
And that's and that's putting too much stock in stats. That really is putting too much stock in numbers. Russell Wilson is a Hall of Fame quarterback, and he decided that throwing to Tyler Lockett was a better choice than throwing to DK Metcalf. No, because he was open more because the coverage is slanted towards DJ DK Metcalf because he's a freight train of a human. There, Matt. There's no. There's and this isn't even what we're supposed to be talking about. But there's no argument for Tyler Lockett being better than DK Metcalf. And I really like Tyler Lockett. I think he plays one of the coolest and best roles in the NFL, but he's not a better receiver overall than DK Metcalf. The, the, the dude, the dude is my height. Than Jamar Chase. Like that should have been Tyler Lockett to get Jamar Chase. It's like, oh no, that's well, we're you're too you're in the wrong place, son. You're up yeah, the yeah. floor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <the> exactly. <laughs> So why are you here in, in, in the pit? Why are you here in general admission? Don't you you belong in the suites? So why are you here with, with these people? So see that- usually usually when Madden slights someone in ratings, I can find an angle to blame it on the Madden rating people being Cowboys fans, but I haven't been able to find an angle yet, and I'm disappointed. Keep digging in myself. Matt. This is important work. <laughs> it's there. Keep digging. It's there. It's there. Do the Lord's work, stat Matt. We know this is this we know this is what you do well. Moving on. Um, because this is another young core who, man, if, if stuff comes together right and they stay healthy, should be a, be a good young core moving forward. That's the Baltimore Ravens. They got some things to take care of because part of having a good young core is making sure the best part of your good young core is re-signed to your team. So they got to do that and take care of Lamar Jackson. But you got Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, Rashad Bateman now. And then on the other side of the ball, Patrick Queen, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Williams. Like, a lot of stuff gets said negatively about the Baltimore Ravens roster. But when you break it down player to player, the young core is there. And it's something to build off for the Ravens. I would say, like, and this is probably, like, a huge overreaction. But I'm going to say it anyway. Them losing all of their running backs is equivalent to the impact of when Tom Brady's knee blew up to the Patriots. Both teams still made the playoffs. I must say, show your work. Show your work. But so obviously Lamar is the MVP on that on this team. Tom Brady is very clearly the MVP on the Patriots. And they and Baltimore didn't lose Lamar Jackson, but they lost Lamar Jackson with a running game behind him which is the MVP, Lamar Jackson. Because Mm. you can't get Mm. the most out of Lamar Jackson and ultimately the most out of that Baltimore offense without running all of the RPO and without running off play action. That's where he really breaks your back when they're still averaging like 4.8 to 5, middle 5 yards per carry, and then he snaps one off for 50, or you think you have him on third down and he scrambles off the side like, those plays break defenses. And they didn't, I mean, mm-hmm. they still have that to an extent, but teams without all those talented running backs did not have to respect the Baltimore Ravens as much as they did in years past. And the numbers prove it. In 2021, they attempted 35.9 pass attempts per game. The previous two years, 2022, only attempted 25 per game. And then in 2020, or excuse me, uh, in 2019, 27 pass attempts, 27 and a half pass attempts per game. So clearly they want to get back to that, in, in my opinion, especially with a guy who they're about to invest, hopefully invest a lot of money in. You have to get back to the running game. J.K. Dobbins, probably the best player on this young core coming back, will really help them do that. 
Yeah, I mean, I I state it all the time because I hope people don't forget that they lost their top three running backs before the season started. So that derails any team. I don't care who you are. That that literally derails your team when Le'Veon Bell is RB1 where you're going into week one in 2022. That derails your team. And then you have Hollywood Brown who forgets how to catch for a season. So now you're looking around, and just like we talk about Saquon Barkley on the Giants, just this, the devil eyes start to narrow in on Lamar and the evil laugh comes. You're like, oh, you're the only one left. Like no running back, no receiver. Mark Andrews is a, is a receiving tight end. So if you can't get the ball to him, like if we make you uncomfortable, the offense goes nowhere. So like there, you're, you're, that was such a good point, Jake, because you're exactly right. Like all that misdirection, all that multiple threat is what gets Lamar on these one-on-one matchups with a linebacker in space. And then he makes him miss and he's gone. Right. But it's hard to make five people miss in a crowd. Like it's, it's hard to do that when I no really one else think is it, drawing attention. I really think it comes down to the fact that the Ravens haven't had a good enough receiver for Lamar Jackson. That's another one. You need someone on the outside that's reliable to bail out your quarterback. Who's he's not inaccurate. That's wrong. But he's not. That's it. That's his flaw in his passing game, and mm-hmm. and you need like the Ravens should have made the AJ Brown trade. I, the fact that they didn't was a big mistake. They need to surround Lamar with better offensive talent from a playmaking ability instead of just bolstering. They have a good defense, they have, and they're and on top of their. Um, Running backs all getting hurt. Last year, all their cornerbacks got hurt too, which really hurt them defensively. Yeah. So, the, yeah. and the, they have a strong, but they in today's NFL, you need receivers that can bail out a quarterback. Um, Stafford, Sta- Stafford, look how much playing with Cooper Cup helped. Guy who can make, and obviously Cooper Cup is an exception because he's a alien. But I, I just don't know how they didn't do a better job at getting. Uh, wide receiver for Lamar, and I, I, I'm not saying they should have paid what Arizona paid for Hollywood Brown. That would be really stupid. But they, crazy, they, right? they did a poor job at surrounding their quarterback, who's coming off an injury, with talent. And right, and, and it's really disrespectful to do that when your quarterback's going into a contract year. Yeah, and and. and- then you then you have all the means to say like well you you had a down year last year we don't want to give you a 245 million dollar contract which is just the ugly side of sports business but um it's funny how we say they have one of the best young cores but is it good enough like we talked we just spent the last 5 minutes talking about all the improvements they need to make to this young core so is this young core good enough to win you football games to go to a super bowl because Matt like and and Jake, to your, both of your points, like they don't they don't go and make that big move for a receiver. They haven't, and I I don't understand why, but I see where they're coming from because the best Baltimore Ravens they've seen, one of the best Baltimore Ravens teams in regular season franchise history, was a running football team. It wasn't a receiving football team. It was a team who got it done with multiple backs, Lamar Jackson running, and then we have two receivers that we need to throw it to. Hollywood Brown in a good at a good year and Mark Andrews. We don't we they didn't need anything other than that, and it didn't seem like in the playoffs that that was the reason they lost. It just got beat by better teams. So to the Ravens, it's like we just need to keep perfecting that and keep perfecting that. But then what happens when all of that gets taken away in training camp? 
and you don't have your plan B is Hollywood Brown. And now he's the light. The lights are a little too big now because now my eight targets a game goes to 12. My, I need you to get a first down need means I need to get you. A, I need you to get a touchdown. Like now the lights are too big for Hollywood Brown. Cause I don't have that crazy dynamic running game. And then the glaring hole at receiver comes, but that's almost a little too late. So back to my yep. original question, like, you know what I mean? Like, the, they, you see what well, I'm saying? I, though? I was shocked. I had, while during this conversation, I just looked up their wide receiver room. Aside from Rashad Bateman, here are some names that I recognize. <laughs> that the only ones I and this is recognize people I do know: Devin Duvernay, mm-hmm. um, Tylen Wallace, because I was big Oklahoma State fan a couple years ago when they had him and Chuba Hubbard running around. And that's actually it. Those are the two guys. Those are the two guys out of 13 yeah. people or 12 other people that I have literally ever heard of. And I play a lot of fantasy. Out there. Well, like, I, I feel like I should know a good amount of people on each team in each room. I've heard of two outside, heard of <laughs> outside of Rashad Bateman. It might be scary bad in passing game uh, in Baltimore this year. <laughs> yeah, scary bad. All right, before we move on. Best player on this young core besides Lamar Jackson. That's a given. Best young player, best player on this young core for the Ravens. Um, I think it's got to go be first. J.K. Go ahead. Go ahead. If you want to say J.K., I'm I, say think JK. Marlon, I think Marlon Humphrey is getting very overlooked in this situation. Yeah, I was going to say Marlon Humphrey. The, the injury last year doesn't, doesn't help, but let's remember the year before that, when Marcus Peters started spiraling out of control, Marlon Humphrey took this amazing leap and the people saying it's him and Jalen Ramsey is the best cornerbacks in football. And I think when you have such a down year, when your team underperforms, you don't make the playoffs, especially when you're a cornerback, you probably get lost in the fold about how good you are. But I think a healthy Marlon Humphrey can be one of the best, you know, defensive backs in football. Um, so I, I think Marlon Humphrey is at the forefront of this young core if I had to pick one. Matt, you were going Marlon Humphrey. Yeah, yeah, Marlon Humphrey. He he's such a dominant player, and he and he he like if you listen to uh, like I remember seeing the Harbaugh press conference. I forget when it was last year, but he was talking about how Humphrey's um, like coaching on the field and identifying wide receiver like situations and helping out other players is one of the biggest things they lost, even even counting his how good he is as a player. So I think having that just that quarterback on defense in the mm-hmm. in the secondary is is so important. And remember this is a team that they make the playoffs if, if Lamar stays healthy. The Steelers mm-hmm. completely are going to fall off with a new quarterback. The Browns, we have no clue what's going to happen. And um the Bengals are in my opinion slightly vulnerable. Uh, cause they, the, the Ravens could win the division this year, but I still don't think they're a contender to win the AFC. Yeah. I, I, I definitely agree with you there. If, if stuff gets pulled together, but Marlon Humphrey won a, a big like cornerback, like he's huge. Like he's almost built like a linebacker, but he runs like a cornerback. And you talk about a lot of cornerbacks. They specialize in one thing. There are good coverage corners. There are good zone corners. There are good tackling corners. Marlon Humphrey is a good corner. And I think it's like him 
at Jalen Ramsey are, are on a short list of corners that can do everything. Like I can put him in a zone. I can ask them to cover. Jalen Ramsey showed his ability to blitz and get in the backfield this year. Marlon Humphrey's able to do that as well. Like I think he's he's I don't think Marlon Humphrey's a problem. He really is a problem on defense. But Jake, you give your your J.K. Dobbins. Your J.K. I mean, Dobbins. Um, he was take. in like a part-time role. He was averaging six yards per pop, nine touchdowns. You give him a full role. Uh, you make him the feature back. And I just think offensively, Marlon Humphrey, Humphrey is great, but he also has OA on the defensive line as well as Calais Campbell doing some work for mm-hmm. him. He's got Patrick Queen who can, who's all over the field. So, and then not to say that, not not to say that Dobbins doesn't have teammates as well that are are that are helping him. I just think that he is more centrally important to what they do compared to some of the other guys. But it's really kind of hard to match like quantify offense versus defense sometimes. Defense, so right? If I had to choose a defensive player, it would one hundred percent be Marlon Humphrey. How about I mean that, mm-hmm. that's where I stand that, there. That's good, right? I, I think there's a, there's a noticeable gap between him and Patrick Queen. What really sucks for J.K. Dobbins is his. Breakout. This was going to be his breakout season. I think everyone saw it coming too. Like J.K. Dobbins is about to hit the scene now in that full time role, and then he tears his ACL. Like he doesn't just get hurt. Like he really like it was either his ACL or his Achilles. Right, he tore one of them, and it's just like that couldn't have happened at a worse time for a young man who's about to enter a dynamic running offense with the best running quarterback in NFL history. Like this is the time to do it. Like that really just sucks. It, it, it sucks. just really, really quick before we move on. If he had stayed healthy for his so, so far in his career, they, people would talk about him like he's Jonathan Taylor. Same yeah, way that yeah, people he, talk about Jonathan Taylor. Been, he might have been last year's Jonathan Taylor. Like it yep. might have been. Like that might have been J.K. Dobbins, and I'm so serious about that. That very easily could have been J.K. Dobbins, but hopefully he comes back healthy, and, and we'll see what that Ravens offense can do. The last one. Here y'all go. The last one for the best young core in the NFL. I can't even, I, I, you know, hard to, hard to deny it. What them Philadelphia Eagles are starting to brew over there uh, in Philly. I mean, the draft picks alone, Jordan Davis and N'Kobe Dean. But then you go all over the football field. Quarterback Jalen Hurts, wide receivers, uh, Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, running back Miles Sanders, defensive and Josh Sweat. Um, and that's not even talking about the all-stars you guys got that are old. That's not even talking about the Fletcher Cox and the Darius Slays of the world. Like that's and the Dallas Goddards of the world. Um, Goddard's which, by the way, old Dallas, now. Wait, is guys want to say is Dallas Goddard's under twenty six too? Isn't he? I think he's like twenty eight. Is he okay? He's he's a he's a young. I'm looking young, up. Younger. He is twenty seven. Yeah, twenty seven. Okay, just, just missed it. For all intents and purposes, you can put Dallas Goddard in this young core, too, because he spent the first couple of seasons kind of behind Zach Ertz. He's only been in a full-time role for two years, right? A year and a half, even. So, yeah, that's um, fair to say. So, so I might put him in this role, too. But, man, I think you guys might contend with the Bengals after looking at this list at the best young core in the NFL. So take y'all moment. Go ahead and talk y'all stuff. I'm get, you better take this moment because I, I don't do this often. So you better take this moment to talk to stuff. I love I love Jalen Hurts as a person. I'm really nervous we're wasting this talent around him on a quarterback who's just really okay. tough place to start. That's a really tough place to start. It's, 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 it's honestly, it's it's honestly where I stand. Like I, I would I be shocked if he became like a <laughs> like you should have went first, Jake. Top, <laughs> top twelve first. quarterback. It wouldn't shock me, but I I just. I this is a big prove a year for Jalen Hurts. I I was a big proponent of trading for Russell Wilson in the offseason. That didn't happen. 
I I like I really like our offseason. I'm not uh it's the best offseason in the NFL. Yeah, after 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 this offseason we'll and this season, we'll know for sure if Jalen Hurts is the guy or not. I'm just worried that by the time we gave the extension to AJ Brown, but by the time new contracts come, finding the quarterback that is the guy that can win with this will be a difficult task. My uh, I really hope I'm wrong. I mean, I have an unpopular opinion about Jalen Hurts. Like, what is, what is he expected to do? Because everyone's talking about Jalen Hurts has to prove it this year. Jalen Hurts has to go out and be the guy. Does he? Or does he just not have to be in the way? I'm serious. I'm serious. You have playmakers all over both sides of the ball. You had the best running game in the NFL last season with a guy in Miles Sanders who's not even a top-end running back, in my opinion, and you still were the best running football team in the league. So then you solidify your offensive line, you get healthy again, you go and get the best wide receiver on the market, you go and pick up one of the best cornerbacks on the market, you have the best draft class coming in, up, Jalen Hurts does not have to go and spin for 5,500 yards and 35 touchdowns, y'all. And I think the the thinking that he has to do it is going to blind Eagles fans of the great job he can do at managing the football game. And that he can do. With, with Nick Saban stocking him, that he absolutely can do. He's used to being on a team where I just got to not turn the ball over and these dogs will take care of the rest. I 100% believe Jalen Hurts can do that. I don't think he has to do much more than that. I really don't. Yeah, I, really don't. I it, well, it's funny. What's so funny about this is literally the parallels between, there's one other guy in terms of situation that I parallel his, his current setup to. And we talked about him last week and Jalen Hurts knows him pretty well personally. Mr. Tua T over there in Miami. All Tua needs to do He's got the ball in the hands of the good players. And don't That's all you gotta do. do. That's all you gotta do. So that's all you gotta do. I, I do agree with you in the sense that like the bar that he has to jump over to AK to, to, to do enough, whatever that enough might be, is pretty low considering all of the weapons that he has. Now, if for whatever reason they underperform, I think a lot of that ultimately fair or not will come back to Jalen Hurts. Uh, and a referendum on his play. So I agree with Matt in the sense that this team will ultimately at the very, you know, down the road, we're not talking about winning division. I'm not talking about making the playoffs. I'm talking about making the Super Bowl, making a championship game, going on a deep run. You cannot do that without a quarterback who is playing at an elite level or at least like two units of your team need to be Elite, elite, elite in the NFL for you to, no. and the quarterback can't can't Historic. be be making a, making making a negative. Um, so I, I think the Eagles could be either of those. Like I, I truly am as naive as I am. Like Jalen Hurts, why can't he he be seventy to eighty percent of what Lamar produces in in not not is but produces? What is mm-hmm. the end result of that offense? A run heavy, play action, a ton of weapons. Well, unlike the Ravens, a ton of weapons around Jalen Hurts. Like, theoretically, that's enough to win like 10, 11 games. They were, re- they were the number one run team in the league last year, um, running the football uh, yards per carry. Granted, they didn't do it a whole lot in the beginning of the year. But like that as an, in and of itself should be enough. So fingers crossed 
I am very optimistic about this Eagles season. Well, to, to, to your point, I think if your quarterback isn't above average and you're going to the Super Bowl or you're winning championships, not only like the other factors of your team weren't elite, they're historic. Like the only teams that I've seen where their quarterback isn't above average and they win Super Bowls have, and it's really your defense, have historic defenses, like historic running games, historic X, Y, and Z. Um, I don't think Jalen Hurts is under, is is below average. I think he's he's going to be right in that middle pack. He's going to be playing cards with Kirk Cousins and Baker Mayfield and them, right in that oh, middle. Pack. But I, but he's got a way better team than both of those guys. I'll oh. say Baker at its best. Baker at his best. But he's got way better teams around him than both those guys do. And like, I, I think if Jalen Hurts goes and has a mild he can have a mild season and you guys are you guys are very good i i truly i truly I, I, what, I what's that. frustrating is i really think we have a super bowl team until you look at the quarterback and then the quarterback demotes you from super bowl winner to hey we might contender. win a playoff game <laughs> no right. it's more than that it's more than that you guys still right now are contender this is a winner this is a winner we're talking about in jalen hurts this isn't daniel jones this isn't a guy who got drafted and out of a school that didn't win anything. This is a guy who spent all four years in conference title games, college football playoff games, national championship games. A guy who did uh, like un like uh, 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 what is righted his wrong, I should say, when he got benched in the title game and then came back the next season in the SEC championship game and bailed out the same dude who he got benched for. I oh, know he's an like incredibly put, high character guy, and he, and nothing, and he he's like a great guy. I like I, but knows what to do. He has a he's a high floor, low ceiling player. I don't know if he's low ceiling. I think he's high floor. Well, he's he's medium floor because we saw in the playoff game that there can be a somewhat low floor. No, but, no, but every, everyone experience. can have a horrible playoff game. I I know it's tough, but uh, I think ultimately what what we medium, come down to medium floor, medium floor, medium ceiling, and and that puts you in the middle of the pack. That's all he's gonna be is in the middle of the pack. Like, to me, that's what he's got to be, man. If nah, the I'm not going to let you talk me into it. I've been thinking about it. I'm not going to let you talk me into it. This is what he does, man. He's going to set us up, get us nice, both and primed up for the season. Oh, you're really good. And then when they stink, he's going to hammer us saying, ah, you guys really thought the Eagles are going to be good this year. I can't wait. I know it's coming. I'm not, you, sir, are, are traumatized. You, sir, are hurt by me, but you're hurt. Because this I'm the song and dance I'm, I've done, James, before. I've done the song and dance before. I don't Yes, yes. When your quarterback was Nick Foles and your quarterback was was, you know, all, all these middling guys. Like this is this is not this, this no. Like, like this, you guys actually have a really good Nick team. Foles, a, before he won the Super Bowl, it. showed Man, a peak that is much higher than what Jalen Hurts has showed. showed. I don't want to hear this. That's but his ceiling was horrible. I mean, his floor was really low. But his, we saw how good Nick Foles could be for those eleven games in 2013. So him right. getting hot were, for four games and being pretty good for a couple games the next year to make us get us to the playoffs isn't that surprising? Right. And, but, and what year was that? What year was that? Even 2011. What year in the league was that for Nick Foles? Nick Foles. That was his second year. 2013. So yeah. his second full season. That he made that jump. He was he was a backup most of 2012 behind Vic. He was a backup oh, at the beginning it, of the season 2013, and then he exploded. Interesting. 
Interesting. And then he was okay in 2014, and then he was horrible with the Rams. Then he came back, and then he w- got hot for four games in the playoffs. Okay, I don't need I don't need the whole I don't know, the career anymore. But so interesting. So he starts as a backup, goes in middle of the season, does does okay. Then comes back the next season and, and does and does pretty well. That's what you're saying. He pretty well. Went really hard to to meld <laughs> a, these two together. An historically <laughs> great season. Like one of the highest passing rating seasons in NFL history, twenty-seven touchdowns, two picks. Like it's, it's and then he was like, I didn't, I didn't meld that. I didn't, I didn't meld that. You just explained the exact for me like trajectory. A rookie to a top fifth, a top sixteen quarterback the second year. Like I, he improved. He and I really liked. He is his completion percentage going into last year was worrying. I was really worried, but at, it was like 54% his rookie year. Then was 62 this year. If he can get it to 65, that's great. So 65 is a tough number to hit. We'll I think see. We'll see we, what we'll see we all come down to the same conclusion of this team is that it will hinge on the, on the play of Jalen Hurts because a lot of the other areas are very well filled out, young and old. You said it. I mean, there, there are some holes, just like every team. They have, they have guys who aren't. Maybe maybe shouldn't be starters or, or aren't the league average. Um, but for the most part, like Jalen Hurts is going to be the one guy who's going to direct the orchestra. So it's easier to get Hurts, a new director than to change out each part of the orchestra. You know what I'm saying? What Jalen Hurts will never do is bail you out of everything that's gone wrong. If a Correct. play completely breaks down, he's not going to be the person to make on on a on a play-to-play basis or, or an above-average basis, you know, more often than not, he's going not going to make that play that brings the house down. What I can count on Jalen Hurst to do is just make the right read on a down-to-down basis. What he's supposed to do, where the ball's supposed to be, where people are supposed to be, the flow of the offense, he's so he's so smart and studies that so much that he. I, I feel like that's going to be the thing he makes sure happens. Like, I'm well, going to do... The right thing on this play. Will it will it, will it always be spectacular? Like sometimes you need the quarterback to go off script and make the spectacular play. I don't think you could bank on Jalen Hurts doing that. But what what was he supposed to do on that play? Because that's probably what he's going to do. I could bank on him doing that. And if he does that and doesn't screw like stuff up, doesn't gum up the works, that should allow the rest of your football team to play well, to do their job, and you guys find yourselves in a contending situation if that happens. Not for the NFC title. Well, no, because you'll probably run into the Buccaneers, and then you know. No, but like you can't. I think you. I think. I think. you can go eleven and six, and win a game, and then lose in the divisional round. I think that's. That I think that's. And the, I'll, I'll, and that's not guys, a bad season, but I was gonna say, like, and only you the, guys would be upset about that. Only you. But the thing is, you have the talent be upset about that. outside of the quarterback. You have the talent to go to the Super Bowl, so it'll be very frustrating, right? Because you, you'll That'll be, be able to tangibly see, right. like, it'll be some f- game where we're right. down like four and with like eight minutes to go, and Hurts can't lead us on the drive because he and that, the and that defense is incredibly is too good. frustrating. That is incredibly frustrating because you lose all your good players the next year, right? Because no, you, they don't return. Oh, they Some do. Of them Some of them. Oh, oh, this. Oh, the same team. Oh, the, te- the team comes back. You don't just lose. Every- okay, so like, allow yourself to grow. The first year you put this super team together, you guys go to the divisional round. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's something to build off of, right there. Anyway, we shall. Oh, last before we move on, the, the big question: best player in your young core. Oh, AJ Brown. 
That's easy. By AJ far? Brown. Yeah, yeah. Easy AJ Brown. I guess, I guess I guess that is I guess that is an easy question. I guess that is easy. Other guys are improving. Maybe maybe a year from now it's Jordan. We we can maybe have a conversation about Jordan Davis if he pops <laughs> off. But we'll in like, in like two, in like two to three lotto. years. It's not my lot. No, you could stop. There's that. no shot. There's, no, there's stop. no shot. There's no shot. There's no why. But Matt, you don't have to do that. <laughs> like you don't you don't have to come he, out with every the, year with the, he gets a lot of, better. You're never you're but an offensive it doesn't lineman, mean he's like the best not, right now. Yeah, come on, Nick. You have you have you have in a few years everywhere. I said in a few it's obviously AJ Brown right now, but in a few years, my lotta could be a top three uh tackle in football. If he keeps getting sure. Better. Sure. It could but, be. But, I didn't say it but, will be. I said but, could. But would you but, but that's so from when, all blame if it doesn't happen. But it, but still, even if he is a top three offensive lineman, a top three left tackle, I'd rather have, in my opinion, I'd much rather have a top eight receiver than a top three left tackle. Now we're having the Marches Penesul. Exactly, exactly, exactly. The Bengals just proved that. The Bengals just proved that. I'd rather have that. I'd rather have that. But I guess that's subjective. Um, that's funny. All right, so. We're going to move on because we got to bring this segment back, man. We haven't done this segment in a long time in our podcast, and the offseason is a perfect time to do something like this. Speaking facts. So as you guys all remember, we got some quotes out there in the sports world, some good, some bad, some ugly. We just got to decide, is this person speaking facts? So first one, we go back to the association, to the NBA, because Andre Iguodala had something that really came out of nowhere, unprompted, but it really shook up the world for a day. He said if Rashid Wallace played in our league today, he'd be a top five player in the NBA. He'd be better than Giannis. Jake, is he speaking facts? Like, we Iggy. have we have Rashid Wallace in the NBA today. His name is Marcus Morris, okay? We've got a forward who's mean, who pushes people. You better stop with that disrespect of Rasheed Wallace and call him twin. He way better than twin. He way better than twin. It's just like, here's the thing. Why is he, why would he, first off, to to bring Giannis's name into it, we talked about certain places that Giannis's name gets brought into. Certain this shouldn't places. be one of them. Yeah. This should no, not no, be no, one no. of them. And like, he's so ahead of Rasheed Wallace, it's not even funny. I know we talk about it all the time. Don't take first take, don't take what you see on TV too seriously because they need to make airtime. Andre Iguodala must have been up all night recycling <laughs> takes that would that would get some of reaction and this is what he landed on. I, uh, I don't know I don't know about I don't know about that cuz Iguodala said some really really weird stuff in the past like the stuff about why he doesn't want his daughter to play basketball is just like what are you what are you talking about? I'll let you look that up on your own. And it's but I do want to give Rasheed Wallace some respect because the Morris comment was really bad. Because he was, was like, crazy. if he played in today's crazy. league, he'd be like <laughs> Carl Anthony Towns with better defense. Like, he was that skilled and smart. He led a Blazers team to the Western Conference Finals in 2000 that went seven games with Shaq and Kobe. And I, that team, that Blazers team was interesting because they actually had a bunch of, like, really good players, almost like the 0-4 Pistons. Um but he was the best player on that 2000 um, Blazers team, and then he goes. He's the missing piece for the Pistons to win a title. Mm-hmm. Like if you mm-hmm. if you played in today's game, he'd be a top 15 player. He wouldn't be close to Giannis. Like not even close. No, no, I, I, okay. no, sorry, top 15 is too too nice. 
like top 20 or 25, honestly. I want to say, because I don't know, even 15 is, is in, in you would, you would shoot more threes, which would make them more valuable. It's the, yeah, and, hard and, to and, so, so top five, I mean, we could really break it down because top five is in no order. Just to me, like LeBron, Katie, Giannis, Luca, and B. That's, that's the five NBA right now. Yeah, Jokic, Jokic or Embiid, Jokic five, six, somewhere in like there. That. Yeah, we're, we're we're getting in there. Anthony Davis, we're getting healthy. Anthony Davis, we're getting somewhere in there. You're telling me Rasheed Wallace is better than people. You're telling me Rasheed Wallace would be on a nightly basis better than he all star, top seventy five, great player. You're telling me that if I, with a straight face, Iggy, you played against all them people, that Rasheed Wallace would be better on a nightly basis than them five people in the NBA. It's just lunacy. Again, you, like, congratulations. We clicked on your article. You win. You win. We're talking about it. We clicked on the article, Andre Godala. Did also, I even say Giannis in that five? Did I even say Giannis in did. that five? You did. I did. Okay. I was, I was drawing. Okay. Because, um, and Jake, that's the part. That uh, you you missed Curry, though. I was about to say, I think you did miss Curry. Steph. Curry, you know, Our guy Quiddy's about to, about to be on your case. You better not let him hear that you, know, you left Steph out. I know. Well, well, he also not gonna like that if I gotta put stuff in. I'm probably taking and beat out. Right. Y'all gonna. Be I'm not gonna like it either. Yeah. I'm not gonna go into that. I'm not gonna go into that debate. What makes it unnecessary to me is why Giannis catches a stray. Right. Giannis is the wrong person. There are there are people you could have pegged for to give your argument context, and that's what he was trying to do. Giannis was the wrong. It's what it did the opposite. It actually invalidated your argument because right. he's so far from Giannis that I don't <laughs> want to hear what you're saying anymore. You picked the wrong one. Like if he picked cat, like, no one's running oh, the cape for cat. Mm-hmm. He's probably a whole segment the next day on, on ESPN. Mm-hmm. He probably gets what he wants, but he picked the wrong one. And yeah. when you go after the wrong one, then we got to shun your whole argument because Giannis, you, well, I need to rewatch the highlights of the Oh five. Uh, the Sixers, played the, Sixers <laughs> played the Pistons in the Oh five first round. And that was like Iguodala's rookie year. Did something like traumatic happen to Iguodala yeah, in that series, playoff maybe. series as a rookie? To, uh, he owed owe Rasheed Wallace money or something. <laughs> That's got to be. All right, we'll stick with your guys. We'll stick with the, the Philly theme here um, because James Harden, I, I cannot wait for this little conversation we're about to have. But James Harden came out, what was it, yesterday or the day before, said that he went to Daryl Morey and told him, hey, go sign who we need to sign. Give me the leftover pieces. And then doubled down by saying, I want to compete for a championship. That's all that matters to me at this stage. Based on Harden's recent movements of the past year, Jake, is he speaking facts? Yes. Is that, is that all that matters to him? It, here's what I will say. That is what matters most to him. I'm pretty confident ah. in saying I don't know if it's all that matters. All that matters. Like if, 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 if James, if the, if the additions that they bring in are suddenly taking away from his point or are suddenly maybe rubbing him the wrong way, maybe there are some other things that matter that James maybe thought, James Harden thought might not have mattered in the offseason. But here's what I will say about James Harden taking a pay cut. It is nothing to sneeze at. It's nothing to turn your nose away from and say, oh, well, what a, he should do that. No. No, Chris Paul had every opportunity. Sorry to catch a stray here, Chris Paul. Watch yourself. Watch yourself. Had every opportunity to take a pay cut, to add talent, to make the finals or to get a better team. He didn't do that. Carmelo Anthony, same thing in his prime. A guy who people said only cares about himself. Never did that. Charles Barkley never did that. All those guys sitting without a ring right now. Sorry. Uh, But 
I like this Fair is point. James Harden. I don't think wants to be like he. He clearly is is beyond him moving to Brooklyn. Was to me showing like he really at this stage in his career values a championship probably more than anything else. So I'm I'm with him. Mm. Like he's okay with not being take every shot bowl anymore. He's okay with that, and I'm okay with it too. Especially if he he's not making that. He actually prefers that. I think he prefers having someone who is going to do the bulk of the scoring and he facilitates. That's part of the reason he went to Brooklyn. Matt, and, speaking of facts. Absolutely. People get too like into the fact that, oh, James Harden likes to go out to clubs and splashes money around, so that proves he doesn't care about winning. Just because he has like a hobby that's like not like a hobby. A hobby. <laughs> it's a hobby. That's how else would you describe it? He likes looking at things and Addiction. he pays money to do it. What if his hobby <laughs> that is so, so, oh that's so, so like, great that's if he spent that if he spent that money and his hobby instead of that was like collecting antique pianos no one would care same thing takes up that much of his time he practices <laughs> you know learns how to play but just because it's going out at night to clubs but he's never like there's never been a report about him showing up inebriated to work or anything like that you've never heard one right, rumor right. of that so that's just what he likes to do and he's 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 clearly allotted. He looked at his books. Is okay. I have this much money. Okay, I've got fifty million here. That's going to be for clubs, and then I got yeah. my life savings. So Daryl, I can take a twenty million dollar pay cut, fifteen million dollar pay cut this year. We're all good. I I don't know why phrasing him getting ass shaken in front of him as a hobby <laughs> is so funny to me, but that's, but it. it if you do it with such frequency, <laughs> it can only be <laughs> it can only be determined a hobby, right? Like if if you do it three it's to four pastime. times a week, yeah. If you do it three to four times a week in your spare time, it, you know, some people collect jerseys, some people collect cars. <laughs> James Harden collects ass. Like it's just it's just what it's what he does in his <laughs> in his free time. But in, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, what I think is noticeable and a little humorous is the 180 view that's been taken on Harden for Sixers fans and credit to James Harden because there is something that Philly athletes learn to win the love of the city is you have to go and realize like oh I have to show them that nothing else in my life matters I don't care about anything else but their city and their sports team who I'm playing for and going to win a championship and then they'll like me you can't come to Philly with Matt as Matt puts it hobbies you can't you need and he he did and 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 to the Sixers eyes he underperformed to Sixers fans eyes he's underperformed and he tried to fight that for a little bit no I didn't and he tried to still go out and and his videos on Instagram were with him and little baby were with him and Mike Rubin and then a switch flipped in the summertime and he goes oh I have to show them that all I care about is basketball and nothing else in my life and Credit to him for learning that because now he's earned the love of the city. Now everyone is confident in him. And now now you guys believe in James Harden. But a James Harden who has hobbies <laughs> is never going to win over the love of the city. So good on him. Good, good on him. It's just Thanks, James. See you at your on Saturday. <laughs> but don't say nothing. Right. But as long as but as long as he's in the gym Sunday morning, Correct. Every, everything's right with the world. I got to say I'm in trouble. I'm 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 buying into the propaganda. Why you be like, a cheerleader? Uh, you be a cheerleader? Healthy, and he's gonna be like, 
he won't be like Zachary, but but like twenty five point per game guy instead of twenty. Like he'll I, I I'm buying into the propaganda that he's going to be sig- significantly better than he was last year because yeah, he wasn't okay, healthy. Totally. Can you like can you like allow him to be human? Like, and I'm not just talking to you, man. I'm talking to all Sixers fans. Because this is, I think this is the slippery slope he doesn't realize he's creating as you create such a confidence that you move like the expectation up as the confidence goes up. It's like, oh, I didn't I didn't say it was going back to average or a triple double. I just said I'm healthy. I just said I could go and play better. But to Sixers That's fans, what that I mean, means. Oh, that is what that means. That's what that means. Yeah. It is. Oh my God. I could Better never be. be a, I could <laughs> I could never play for the Sixers. That's, that's all of this. Last one before we move out. You want to talk about ESPN getting their headlines off. Kendrick Perkins is putting that on his back for the summer for the network. And, and good on him because he comes with another one. On first take says this about Donovan Mitchell. It's no disrespect to D. Mitch and then goes on to disrespect him completely. But is he a number one option type of guy? Is he a guy that could take your franchise to the NBA Finals and possibly win a championship? Hell no. And then probably went to go on and say, carry the hell on. Sure, so, yeah. Jake, carry the hell on. Is he speaking facts? Um, he is. I'm actually with him on this one. I think to build a franchise around someone, you need to either be elite, elite, elite offensively or be able to play both sides of the ball very well. Um mm-hmm. He is getting close to being how many elites did I say? Three elites. You he's said three being, elites. So he's being, he's he's probably like one and a half to two elites right now, offensively. <laughs> Defensively, he's he's supremely average. And right. um I, I think if you are going to make a move where you're not Utah and you're you're moving a ton of assets to bring in Donovan Mitchell, ultimately you're still going to need to bring in someone else who's going to take care of the things that you would want. Your ideally your franchise player to take care of. So, can can he be the best player on a on a finals team? I think that's still yet to be decided as he matures and and adds things to his game and gets better. Currently, right now, he can't be your franchise star, is what I'll say. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you and Kedrick Perkins um, that he's not. I've I've said that for a while. I said that when he was dropping back-to-back 40-point games in the playoffs in the bubble that I was like, these are great, but I still don't think Donovan Mitchell is a person who leads you to a championship. To me, the the worst player who could be able to do that in the NBA is Jimmy Butler. Like, that's the worst franchise player you could have, and Jimmy's even coming up short. Like, even, even Jimmy isn't getting it done. He got to the finals one time, but it's, there's a ceiling there. And I think Donovan Mitchell, instead of trying to be the worst number one in the NBA, if he realizes he could be the best number two, you go and win a championship. Like, Correct. Realize, if you realize that's where you are, you instantly make whatever team you go to with your star a championship team. And, like, and I mean instantly. But if you try to be the best player on a team and, like, I just don't think that Donovan Mitchell is your franchise player. And you you put it perfectly, Jake. You have to be like top 10 in the NBA, top 5 to 10 in the NBA offensively, or top 15 two-way. And he's neither of that. So I just think there's, there's a ceiling there. But like, let me paint you this picture real quick. So we have Donovan Mitchell and like Jalen Brunson and friends behind door A. Or behind door B, you, you pull some strings and you get a tandem of Kevin Durant and Donovan Mitchell. Now we're talking NBA Finals contenders, as good as any iteration of the Nets in the past couple of years. 
Like this is that that I think perfectly encapsulates kind of the difference between the two builds. You can't convince me that Kevin Durant and Donovan Mitchell and and Ben Simmons and pieces around them don't go to a finals. You yeah. can't convince me of that. I'm with you. You can't convince me of that. It's 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 written in stone. Matt, put your spin on it real quick. I actually think like the tragedy of Mitchell is he would have paired perfectly with Embiid because he just like Gobert for a while. So if he forced his way out like two years ago, him and Embiid, and I don't know what happens with Simmons in this scenario, but that would have been a really good um, uh, duo to build around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and Donovan Mitchell is a, is a star. He's not a superstar. and it's, A star is number two in the NBA to a superstar. That's what it is. All right, we're almost out of time for this episode of Straight Facts. It was a good one as always. We can get some shots up at the buzzer. I will allow Matt to go fast because I, for the past hour and seven minutes, I've been sitting here in the greatest anticipation. So, Jake, go ahead. What's your at the buzzer? Um, just the only, only thing I've got, uh, I got really badly burnt at the beach. I do it every time. I, it, you have to use, if you're a hairy individual like me, use use the liquid sunscreen. Do not use the spray on. It doesn't get past your hair. My entire torso is absolutely scorched because of it. I thought if you were fair skin like me, if you're a Caucasian like me, if you're a beach goer like me, all of those two, I did, I did not think if you're gonna if you're a hairy individual <laughs> like me, because I spray it on so, and it gets caught in my chest and stomach hair, and then that skin yeah, underneath nice. the hair is just done for, done. That's nice, Jake. That's that's nice that you told us that. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, Sarah. Um, if, if Sarah's got to rub this in, I'm really sorry. Like she's got to cope through the rough to, to really to rub the sunscreen in. Um, but no, I mean, I only make fun of people getting sunburned because it's something that's literally never happened to me in my life. So all I could do is just poke fun at it until it inevitably happens. And then, um, you know, beside myself. But I'll go next at the buzzer. It's time to play our favorite game. Oh. Does James have James. unrealistic? <laughs> so yeah, before I even hear it, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> I'm gonna say yes. No, this, time. this one, this one, I will. I, this one, I'll concede a little bit because I recognize I'm on the outside of the popular opinion. I just don't understand why, and I'm hoping that maybe you guys or our, our listeners out there can really educate me. So, I go to the gym now pretty frequently. I try to go at least three to four times a week. Most of the time, I hit that three mark. I am a frequent gym goer, but I'm not a gym bro. So these little rules and unwritten like bylaws of the gym i don't get one of them is working in with someone at a machine Mm -hmm. so i go to the y today after work and it's i've never seen a y like this before i don't know what people are getting ready for it but it's packed so i go and in my mind i say to myself like okay i'm probably gonna have to share machines today there's a finite amount of machines some of these workout machines there's only one of them every time i went and asked someone Yo, man, how, yo, how many sets you got left? He's like, oh, I just started. So, okay, do you mind if I work in with you? You know the amount of sideways looks I got? One person actually was like, I'd rather not, man. I'd rather just, like, do it myself. I'm like, what? Like, I don't, I don't get that. You don't own the machines. You don't own the gym. Like, your name is not on some VIP wall. There's no banners that hang in here. I don't know who you are. We, we are both members at this place at the same time, why is it so far-fetched to like working with someone? I can see that if they've they've changed the machine 
So, like, you know, some people, like, bring a bench over or something. They're not using it for – I can see that. Or I can see if I'm going to change it. If you see I have different weights in my hand than what you're doing. But I'm literally just – like, especially on just the, the machines where you just got to move the weight. Yeah. The peg weight. Like, bro, like, don't be so – like, don't, don't, don't be so arrogant. Let me work in with you for the three sets that we got to do and then we can go about our day. Am I unrealistic in that? Is that an unrealistic? People gym? like to be alone so, so and like to not be bothered. I'll just I, give us. I don't got to talk to you. Matt, I don't got to talk to you. Like, the only thing I got to say is you're, you're good. You're up. And then you can go back to not speaking. I don't want to talk to you either. I just want to work out. Like, you shouldn't be a gatekeeper to this machine. If I shouldn't you, have to ask if, your permission. If you and a couple friends were shooting hoops on a basket at a gym and okay. like a, about to play like 21 or whatever, and okay. then like this guy comes in, hey, want to practice my three-pointer for 20 minutes can i do it no you say no because you got there you know why because they changed the game now if we're playing 21 and he comes up with two friends or he comes up by himself and say hey can i play 21 or hey y'all want to run twos or run threes i think i'm i think i'm arrogant to say no and i and that's something on a court that i won't do i may say like hey we're going to play this game. And then afterwards, yeah, you, you could jump in our game of rougher. Yeah, we can run twos. But, like, like okay, no. If you're, not cha- if, if you're not changing the game, no. Um, come on, run with us. So, I think it's right for them to not want to do it. It is not right for them to not allow you to work in. As for the reasons you said, literally not your equipment. Like, who do you think you are? Number one. Uh, number two, if it is busy, like then they become the a-hole for not letting you work in because now the gym the is permanently been more busy because you did not let me work in. They're the reason for the traffic jam now. Exactly. Now you're the idiot who swerved off the road and now we all are in a traffic jam just because I got to sit here and wait for you instead of being efficient in this thing. And I also think like for people who like not many people out there exist like this, but people who aren't as big as me, like I don't know if there's like a embarrassment factor like you don't want to see how much you're lift. like i truly could not care less about that i really couldn't we all in there for the same purpose you're in there to get stronger like i'm in there to get stronger i don't care where you're at if anything if you're lifting little weight i'm like encouraged because i'm like my man is starting a journey my like we all had to start a journey somewhere my man is starting his i just i don't get it but what i'm learning through all of this is i'm not unreasonable the world is unreasonable and I am normal when it comes to the social expectations. All right. Stop, Matt. The floor is yours, please. Let me get my drink ready because I, let, me, let me hear it. The fact that there's a Last Dance type documentary for Derek Jeter is blasphemy. Derek Jeter, or I Thank should you. say Chipper Jones with better PR, does not <sighs> deserve this kind of like sequential, like, last dance treatment it's gonna be such a propaganda piece it's gonna completely overrate him and like when he was the worst defensive shortstop in the history of major league baseball that's just stats by defensive war he allowed he cost his team 18 wins by being such a bad defensive shortstop and he was still too much of an arrogant person to take to not move the third base and let A-Rod take short. And they're gonna I know they're gonna paint A-Rod as a villain, and that's gonna be unfair. And A-Rod would have been a much more worthy last dance documentary type what? 
person because he was a much, much, much better player than Derek Jeter and a much, much, much more interesting person than Derek Jeter. Mm. Wow. He was much better because he took human growth hormone. Can we be honest about yeah. that? Like, come on. And when he was with Seattle, he was still better than Jeter. And that was the 90s. Yeah, I agree. Um, he's also, he's old. He's older, right? When Jeter got drafted in what? When no, Jeter they're both drafted? like the same age. They both had right. their debuts like in um, 95. I'm going to push back a little bit on how good Derek Jeter was. I will let you go off about hating him. I hate Derek Jeter as much as the next guy. But I do think that, you know, if you have to name a, a Mount Rushmore baseball, I'm not really going to disagree with you if Derek Jeter's name pops up. I'm, I'm He's not, not close to, to the Mount Rushmore. That's like saying Ben Roethlisberger's on the Mount Rushmore of football. No, Matt, like, like Matt. he's a Hall of Famer, but like he's not Matt. close to the Mount Rushmore. Matt, take the hate. Take the hate. Say he was take the hate off. Take he said the he hate off. I don't know. I, ben Roethlisberger of baseball. Big Ben has some career accomplishments. Don't don't let the last three no, years of Big Ben. The Big, Big Ben, ben like a of Hall of baseball. Famer. Jake. It's be, like let's take Derek Jeter and put him in Cleveland instead of New York, and <laughs> and take away all of his, all of the famous people that he dated. Like he's good. He's, yeah, he's not documentary worthy. He's not Last Dance. I, I agree with that. And I'm not going to take away your point, Matt, because I completely agree. Seven part hour long episodes. I'm just not Derek yeah, Jeter worthy. He's just not. He just not. And I think it dilutes Michael Jordan's last dance. Michael Jordan's to me, Michael Jordan's last dance was going to be like a Michael Jordan and LeBron are the only players ever going to get this. I but would like, totally watch a Barry Bonds one. Not a seven parter. I'd watch a 30, a two part, three part. No, I'd watch I would, for well, if it was a fair doc, like they actually talked about the roids and everything. But, oh, but like Ken Griffey, no roids, happy propaganda Ken Griffey Jr. documentary over freaking Derek Jeter. I don't even it know. Was, if, there's hundred. I could name a hundred. I could name fifty baseball players in my <laughs> lifetime that are more worthy of a documentary than Derek Jeter. And here's the thing. I think a lot of players deserve a documentary. Derek Jeter absolutely deserves a documentary. You can't. He he just absolutely does. But the the length of it to me signifies the magnitude of the player or where they are in their sports history. And if you give someone a seven part documentary, all hour long episodes, you're putting him in Jordan era. You're putting him in Jordan era. You're putting him in LeBron era. And he's just not that. He's just not that to me. You give him a three parter. Now you don't really hear many words from me. That's cool. He got a three parter seven. That's 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 two and a half months. Of Derek Jeter, I don't need to. I don't need two and a half months of Derek Jeter. I don't. Do you need two and a half months of Derek Jeter? I don't need that. Yeah. I don't need that in my life. We're, we we can move on from that, but we got to move on from Derek Jeter, and we do have to move on from this episode. It was a great one. Thanks you. Thank you for everyone for sticking with us during the off season. Got to give a big shout out to the Up on Game Network, everyone over there: Lavar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, Plexico Burris. Love what you guys do for us. Hopefully, you guys enjoy what we do for you. And as always, shout out my guys, Jake Galley and Stat Matt Robinson. I'm James Jackson. These have been the facts. Straight up.